0: Global Broadcasting Networks presents Coach
1: Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best internet minds in the
0: business. Now, here is your host, internet brand strategist, Sandra Beck guys and dolls this is sandra beck and this is coach talk radio and we've got a wonderful guest today we've got sharon jameson and she is all about getting up again and not getting knocked down she might have gotten knocked down in life over and over and over again but this is a lady who has gotten up again and again and again she has followed her heart her own moral compass she's been working in corporate america for almost 30 years and that's a big deal because she is a single mom and she has been a mom to step kids foster kids so she really understands how we balance this work at home work at work uh develop our business develop our dream None of this was easy for her, and a lot of these decisions cost her greatly. But all of this has led her to write a book aptly named, I Have Learned a Few Things. And I love that because it's very empowering, yet it's very humble. She's putting right in the title that she doesn't know anything or um, doesn't know everything. And that she has had to learn some things. And we've all had to learn some things. But before we do, I'd like to thank our sponsor today, Lyft. Now, Lyft is spelled L-Y-F-T, and working for Lyft, you can drive for Lyft, and it's a really smart way to earn extra money, and I'm going to tell you how to get an extra $500 bonus driving for Lyft. Now, one of the things about telecommuters, working from home, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, whatever you want to talk, um, call yourself, we can structure our days So that we can do multiple things and driving allows you to work in between jobs. If you're looking to put money in your kid's college fund, if you're looking to pay for some of these crazy expensive children's sports today it's insane the dance lessons the hockey lessons and the football um it's just a fortune today if you're writing the great american novel if you're looking for inspiration if you're looking for funding for your startup and if you just want to take a great vacation for next summer and need to fund it driving for Lyft is a great opportunity. Now, Lyft is this ride-sharing app, and it lets you be your own boss, which is really cool. You can pick your own hours, and you can earn up to 1500 bucks a week driving your own car. And if you're like me, you have a car that you use for your business. It's kind of nice to have income if your regular business isn't supporting it, some income to offset this. Now. There are other ride-sharing apps out there, but I like Lyft because they treat their drivers right, and all you need is a car. They can make up to $35 an hour, and you can use the smartphone. Like, you just tap it and and do these things, which to me is really cool. You can drive morning nights and weekends. You can earn your tips right through the app. And what I like about it, too, is you can cash out instantly once you've made $50. So you you just tap it. Thanks to Express Pay, the money comes right to you, and it all adds up and you get to keep 100% of your tips. So if you are interested in learning more about Lyft and you want to get a $500 new driver bonus after you complete 100 rides within 30 days, go to lyft.com slash worksmart so you can start making extra money. That is $500 new driver bonus after you complete your 100 rides within 30 days, lyft.com slash work smart that's lift lyft we all need extra money and this is a great way to do it and a great way to make sure that you can cover your expenses do the things you want to do I know when I was looking at some of these training programs they're so expensive and they're great if you have a big corporate payroll behind you but most of us don't or a lot of our departments cut the training program the minute the company belt gets tight so so this is a great way to supplement things for your family, but also for yourself, or maybe to buy some of that office equipment that you wanted. I finally got a new computer after a couple years, and what a difference! It was like getting new glasses. I could see more clearly. I could just, I could just have a better life. So, lift.com slash five hundred dollars new driver bonus. Complete your hundred rides within thirty days. Lyft.com, work worksmart I can't. Uh, emphasize enough how great it is to have some extra cash now we're going to get back to the show thank you Lyft for sponsoring today's show sharon Jamison, you can find her at sharon s-h-a-r-r-o-n J A M I S O N j-a-m-i-s-o-n.com
2: we're going to talk about some of the things you learned sharon what did you learn fill me in <laughs> well i learned one thing a couple of things one of the most important things that we all need each other I've learned that no person is an island and that we heal better in community. We live better in community. We share better in community. And I have learned that even though we're different on the outside, we all have the same struggles on the inside. And that was a great learning. So that's my main learning over the years, that we are more alike than we even know. I don't care what continent you're on or what culture you're from or what language you speak. Inside, we all want the same thing. We all want to feel loved. We all want to feel accepted. We all want opportunities and we all want to feel safe. So I don't care who you are on this life's journey. We all want those key themes. Well, and I think we all want to be able to
0: take care of ourselves deep down. You know, I like the fact that, especially for entrepreneurs, you know, we're kind of a can-do group and I like To pay my bills. I know that sounds silly. I like the feeling of power that I get when I can pay my bills. When I write a check for somebody who did work well done for me, I feel satisfaction in that. I know there's some people who feel like, oh, I got to pay this person or, oh, I got to pay that. But I look at it and go, I did this. I created an industry. I created work. I created income that also supports and and upholds
2: other families that's kind of a really cool feeling i agree and you know what i think that we all on some level want to feel um validated and feel like we are contributing in some way and i like to pay bills also (laughs) i i am i love to make money based on talents and skills that are innately and uniquely me and that feels better than my corporate job that I have now when I when I coach because I know it's my wisdom, it, it's my approach that helps me make money. But also I love that knowing that what I know is that uh, from other people who open their lives to me. So I think the more I coach, the better. I get to see that people have some of the same wounds, but I get to use one client's perspective and healing and use that that expertise and that experience that I gained from one person and use it on another person. So I believe that coaching is one of those gifts or one of those um, professions that you keep getting better. And the more you do it, the more that you can help people and the more people have great breakthroughs and the better people are to be happy, loving, contributing citizens and good people. So I, I, I realized that if you're a good coach, you're not only healing this generation, but you're helping mothers raise their kids. You're helping grandmothers, you know, raise their grandchildren. You, you're creating legacies. You are touching lives that will have ripples effects from decades to come. So I really feel that being a coach is such a privilege, but it's such a calling because your impact is, a, is immeasurable, measurable when you really start healing one person especially if the person is ahead of a household or a key decision maker you can really have great impact and that feels so good to myself well and the one thing that i love about coaching is that
0: i love how the lines are blurred now i know like the american psychological association is probably going to be not happy with what i'm going to say but the fact of the matter is there are people in situations that aren't conducive to going to a therapist to solve a problem and a coach yes a coach does not have a a therapy degree but in a large amount of instances there is therapeutic benefits of the coaching process and that's something that I think is such a good thing when a coach doesn't put a hat on and say, I'm a therapist, but says, in my experience, this worked, or in my experience, this happened with one of my clients, this worked for them. It's about that intimate sharing of knowledge. And sometimes, Sharon, don't you think... Just the process of calling your coach and expressing your frustration on whatever's going on in your life is sometimes enough to get that person back to work focused and doing what they need to do.
2: Oh, gosh, absolutely. I find that there that many people, even though they can share with their friends, there's part of their story that they feel so much shame around or so so insecure around that they will only call that objective person that that's in that coaching role because they they some in some parts of our lives and we don't want to feel judged but i'm with you i think therapists therapy are great i have a therapist but something about that coach like you said that shared experience and having someone to walk through the journey with you who really knows you differently than um, a therapist i know when i was going through my struggles my therapist had the education but not the experience and I and it really left a big gap a knowledge gap so she was only able to tell me what she had read versus what she had experienced and I think it's something to to deal with people who have experienced divorce and experienced losing a child and experienced um you know eating disorder experience addiction versus someone who just read about it and I, not that I'm saying one is better than the other. I, I think that they can work in tandem. But um, I just know just from some of the challenges and some of the clients that I see, these are women who are single moms, who are high performers, who are overachievers, who are who deal with balance like you and I do. Uh, women who deal with feeling like they are a public success but a private failure women who have clothes in their closets from a six to a 16 all those things that you and i know intimately that maybe if a therapist has never been married never divorced never had to really challenge her religion never really went against the status quo she really can't offer much and um it's something about knowing but it's something about knowing in your bones because you had the experience that really gives you a different level of credibility and a different level of empathy that I think many times coaches have. And that's been my experience. And when I have picked a coach, I've always asked them about their background because I want people who have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, got the hat. I want them. And now those are the ones who can really help me. All right. We'll be back after the break with more from Sharon Jameson.
3: Expert, Hammond. I would love to see you devote an hour a day to exercise, but did you know that even 30 minutes a day can lead to enormous benefits? The Mayo Clinic lists some of these benefits as being lower blood pressure, improve cholesterol and lower triglyceride levels, helps prevent and manage type 2 diabetes, helps manage weight, prevents osteoporosis, helps prevent cancer, maintains mental well-being by reducing stress and improving depression, and increases energy and stamina. Research has shown that simply walking at a brisk pace for 30 minutes or more on most days can lead to significant health improvements. By adding resistance and strength exercises two or three times a week, the benefits are even greater. So even when you don't have an hour for exercise, just moderately work out for 30 minutes and watch the benefits come to you. I'm Annette Hammond. It's Merging
1: We've all heard people say women need to act more like men in the business world. A recent article in the New Yorker magazine revealed that only 7% of women negotiate their salaries up front when starting a new job, compared to 57% of men. The study by Columbia Business School suggests that while guys don't necessarily utilize paradiddles or little white lies in negotiations, they do exhibit a lot more flapadocia and braggadocio. In other words, they are not afraid to sing their own praises. Men seem to exhibit more spizzeringdom when exaggerating their accomplishments than women do, and thus they gain an edge when competing for corporate positions. Spizzeringdom is the will to win. As Mark Twain said, Whatever women do, they must do twice as well as men to be thought of as half as good. Luckily, this is not difficult. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: guys and dolls this is Sandra Beck on coach talk radio and we're visiting today with Sharon Jameson now before we went to break we were talking a little bit about therapy versus coaching and I'm going to throw something out here for my my guest today Sharon Jameson you can find her book I have learned a few things at Amazon or wherever books are sold Sharon in my coaching practice I also include therapy. I know this sounds really funny. I'm not doing the therapy, but a lot of my clients that come to me for coaching, and I coach in the tech industry and internet brand strategy industries, they will ask me questions, personal questions, or they'll comment on their personal life, and they'll ask me what I think. And in that case, if I haven't had a life experience to share with them, I do confer with my own personal therapist. Now, my coach in clients no names are used so there's no violation of privacy or anything but i will go to my own personal private therapist that i've used for 20 years and because i i respect her and she's been through a lot and she's always given me good direction i will in a session call her and say you know i have this client who is having a problem with x y and z you know what what would you recommend and she can give me books she can give me resources she can give me a couple clues in that says this might be an ego issue or this might be a Uh, you know an issue that I can encourage them to go and talk to somebody about or give a referral because coaching is a lot about the sharing of information and I find having a therapist in my back pocket that I can call and ask for input that when I get on my coaching call with my next client now I'm not pretending to be a therapist and I will say you know I spoke to a couple of my people in my sphere of influence is how I put it and I'll say to them You might want to read these books, you might want to watch this video, or you might want to listen to this TED Talk. Um, That's where networking among coaches or networking among, like I have an MD, I have a therapist, I have a social worker, I have a couple different people in my little sphere of influence that I reach out to, because if you are struggling with a personal problem, it's very difficult for you to solve company problems or your business problems and I'm not trying to solve their personal problems I'm just trying to give them direction so that if we could minimize the drama in the personal life we can pull the focus back onto the business world
2: I, I agree, and not only I, do I have my personal coach like you do, but I also tell my clients just the same, Sandra. I think we're on the same page, that they also need a therapist, and I always let them know I'm not a coach. Uh, what, I, what I think I think is, uh, is, I mean, a therapist, that I'm just their coach. I think it's really important is that as coaches, we all need to have a community of wisdom. I call it a pool of wisdom that we can um, that information from. And so I have my a team, I call my, my dream team that supports me because everybody needs to have some type of structure so that they can have, um, like you said, be a source of resources, but also a source of wisdom. And um, so, yes, I think that every... Every coach needs to have a coach and a therapist. I need that every client who comes to me. um, They have their own um, therapist. But I'm with you. I think our inside issues affect our outer reality. And if I have a person who's feeling insecure or inadequate personally, it's going to affect them in their jobs. It's going to affect them in their parenting. It's going to affect how they show up in a relationship. It's going to affect how they lead people. And I think one of the hardest challenges... For me sometimes to help people see that connection that their inner world affects their outer world their their inner thoughts affects their outer um, their talent their inner um, perspectives affects their outer uh, possibility and sometimes people don't always see that connection and so when I think we, we can show them that connection to walk them back to show them that their performance and their productivity and their influence is being affected by something else, I think people really are served for having two or three different opinions and different perspectives, looking at an issue from different angles. And so I think that is so important. I I need my therapist. Not only do I have my therapist and I have a a business coach, I have my emotional coach, but I also have like an unofficial spiritual coach because I'm a minister. And many times some of the things that I hear, I want to make sure that, um, you know i have support because it's not because we are coaches people need to understand we also struggle with our own doubt our own insecurities also and i think the more that we are vulnerable and open ourselves up to wisdom the better coaches that we can be to ourselves the better coaches we can be to our clients but also better resources that we can be to our fellow Uh, Coaches, So I think that's important. We all need support. Nobody goes through this world alone. We only become our best selves with others. We never become our best selves by ourselves. And and I think that's something that people always need to keep in mind. I need you and we, we need me. We're part of a family. And if we get that, we all can elevate each other and grow together and all grow to be better together. Well, and I think
0: a lot of that happens, like when I'm working with a client, a lot of times, you know, they'll say things, and you know, it's when they're new, it's a lot different when you've had, you know, a client, I've had clients 15 years, I, I know them inside and out, I've watched them go through one marriage, two marriages, you know, I've watched them raise kids, watched one lose a kid, you know, all these life experiences Um, have affected their productivity and their workflow and you know when somebody's getting beat up in their personal life they might be going through a bad divorce or they have a difficult challenge you know a, a teen on drugs or you know their their wife or husband is critically ill or or has chronic pain there's things that that After you've coached a while, you start to pick up on cues, and you know this person is getting beat up in your personal life. And sometimes giving that person encouragement, a pat on the back, saying, you know, I know this is tough right now. I know you're dealing a lot with with hospital visits and all these things. I'm so proud of you for keeping your focus on this. And even just the prospect of keeping an appointment with me is something to be praised and rewarded because... In the absence of when somebody is sick or terminally ill or they're caring for a dying parent or they have a teenager on drugs. I mean, these are very common things that people struggle with while trying to run a business. And it's not easy.
2: Oh, I so agree. I, I, I can see that you would be one of those people that I would love to hire as a coach. Because <laughs> that encouragement is so important. And, and sometimes just to validate that you're, you, that's okay to feel how you feel. I have one of my clients, her father is dying of cancer and he's been dying for a while. And, you know, she sees him hurting and he wants to continue to go through chemo. But, she, you know, she just said, Sharon, sometimes I wish he would give up. And she felt so guilty with saying that. Sometimes people just need a space to be honest, that they don't have to put on the happy face. They can, they don't, they don't have to be judged by by what they say and she just said that made her feel better just to say that out loud without being condemned because she said it's not like i want my father to die but but i know what he's going through and i'm tired of seeing pain and seeing him hurt is making me hurt is making and it's creating all these other feelings for her but she just needed a place to say it she needed permission she needed a sacred um a sister to to hear it and I think that's some things that we do as coaches. We give people a place and we give them permission. We give them some self of sec- a sacred setting, so to speak, to share their truth. And I think many times people feel like they have to bury their pain or deny their pain or avoid talking about something. But sometimes just opening their mouths and say, you know what, I hate my boss and I hate my wife. It might not be the truth, but it, then it, it lets them get all of that, that toxicity out from the top so that you can have a, a meaningful conversation afterwards. So I well, think And you can get so back cute. to work. Yeah. <laughs> <Like Right>. That's <laughs> it. It's like, you know, if I can listen to my client, like I have a
0: couple of my clients who I love and they rant and they rave and they're so funny, you know, and they say the most awful things. And then they tell me they go back to work and they're fine. And like yeah. one of my clients... <laughs> Wives, um, I've been working for this guy, I don't know, maybe 15 years and I know his wife very well. And she's like, please don't ever not coach my husband. And I said, why? And she said, when he, she goes, I can always tell when he's had a call with you because he comes home from work lighter. And he can unburden some of this stuff. And it's really meaningless. Like when you say I hate my boss and I hate my wife most of the time, it's just an expression. It's just something to put a label on how frustrated you are. It's like when my mom passed, the the couple days after my mom passed, I felt guilty because I felt relieved. Now, I didn't feel relieved that she died. I felt relieved she wasn't in pain anymore. And I felt relieved that I didn't have to wake up every day. Day going is this the day now deconstructing that for a minute when you have a when you're facing something so enormous as a death it's almost as if everyone else doesn't even have the right to have a feeling about it because it's a death and unless you're grieving and us this and so to to say like oh you know i'm so glad it's finally over doesn't mean i'm glad my mom is dead it means i'm glad the suffering is over for all of us and being able to articulate that and i said that to my friend rick at the time and he looked at me and i started to cry because i'm like i'm the worst daughter in the world and he goes no he says you're normal he said death is a very it's a very stressful process for everyone your mom's at peace it's okay for you to be at peace too and you know these are things that are really hard to talk about you can't bring it up at the dinner table with your kids and your grieving dad and your <laughs> brothers and sisters they throw a beer bottle out your head and say what have you been smoking like this is crazy talk you don't say these things but you can say those things in a therapy or a coach session and the coach hopefully will understand and realize look that's just, it is, this is normal. This is what happens.
2: Yeah, you know, I, oh, I so agree. I love how you, that, that, um, that example. I think that when we allow people to normalize their feelings and normalize their thoughts and be, and humanize themselves, I think it's the most liberating thing that we can do for people. When we allow people just to be, And I think that one of the challenges is that we keep people so tied up uh, in all of this, these rules, these norms that work for no one, really, um, that it really allows people to to, um, to persist in their pain. So I think I love what you said. Sometimes we just need to liberate people to to have freedom to say what they need to say, knowing that they have a place for it. That we're not going to judge them, we're not going to call the police, we're not going to send them straight to hell, you know, without paying two hundred dollars or any of that stuff. And I just think I think it's so, it's such a gift that we give people, just give them permission to say, you know what, it's okay, and and whatever you feel, you have a right to feel that way, and let's talk about it. So I agree, I love that example, And, and I think that the more we allow people to express their feelings truthfully. I think we will all be emotionally healthier. When you make people lie, You, the lies are gonna come up some way. And when you t- try to um, encourage people to accommodate dysfunction and accommodate their lying and, and to, to hide their feelings, all we do is keep them sick. Because our secrets make us sick. And so it's important to, to get our secrets out and, and remove the shame and so that people can really grow and, and love themselves as well as love others. Well, yeah, because you know I
0: love how you said it. You know, make people lie. You know, there's most of us don't want to lie, but there are times when we do lie. And yes, there are white lies and things to save, you know, from hurting people's feelings. But most lies are told because of a fear of telling the truth, and 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 not a good fear. You know, there's a fear of, you know, you you don't want to go to jail for something. Like I get that, but it's a fear you're going to let somebody down. It's a fear you're going to be embarrassed or you're fear that someone's going to yell at you and owning our feelings and being able to talk about them are really really a part of our physical emotional and spiritual health we're going to talk more about this with sharon jameson after the break
3: The Fitness Minute with Fitness Expert Annette Hammond. Counting calories is important to losing weight and or maintaining your present weight. But are 500 calories from french fries the same as 500 calories of celery? Prevention Magazine tells us that not all calories are created equal. Even though the celery and french fries are the same amount of calories, the celery takes longer to digest and will keep you satisfied longer. Studies show that food that takes longer to chew can increase your calorie burn, and the quality of calories might matter more than the overall quantity. Those who ate a greater amount of certain unhealthy foods, like processed meat, french fries, and sugar-sweetened beverages, gained more weight faster over time than people who ate healthier foods, such as fruits, vegetables, nuts, and low-fat yogurt. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
1: There's nothing like a high-profile court case to grab our attention. My mother was a court reporter and she would frequently share funny things that happened during a trial. An easygoing judge would often let off the Poppin' jays or repeat offenders. My mother would sometimes whisper to the judge, he'll never learn if you keep letting him off. Once in a while the judge would reconsider and order the Poppin' jay to the calaboose or jail. The court reporter records everything, including funny and embarrassing statements made by witnesses. Here's a statement made by a defendant accused of theft. Did you get a good look at my face when I took your purse? What's a word for the natural tendency to put your foot in your mouth? Ontopodology. You I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Hey guys and dolls, we're here with Sharon Jameson and we are talking about How telling the truth or not telling the truth, because the conditions are not safe, the conditions are not um, designed for you to be truthful, can really affect our spiritual, emotional, and our physical health. Now, Sharon, when I would tell my kids, try to teach my kids about lying. You know, I would tell them there's lies that you tell to keep yourself safe, but you got to be careful that the lies you tell to keep yourself safe are are with reason like you really got to think about it and the lie that I would tell them to tell all the time is like if somebody comes to the door and says you know is your mom home or you know can I talk to your mom you know you don't tell them the truth and say no she's not home you say you know she's upstairs she's she's doing whatever or you know you teach your kids to lie in certain situations to keep themselves safe but that opens up kind of Pandora's box because we don't want to teach our kids to lie and we we don't want to lie to our customers we don't want to lie to our bosses but let's be honest not every condition is conducive for telling
2: the truth oh i i agree and and i and i think that it's so difficult to to explain that to our children especially when we're trying to talk about truth and ethics and morality and um and i always tell my son that just like how you told your kids safety is different um and i and i and i make sure my, my son understands Physical safety is different than, you know, emotional safety because some things are going to require you to take a risk and be courageous. When you have to stand up for justice or, or stand up against peer pressure or um, stand up for, for for, people who are getting bullied, I, that's different. And I tell them sometimes that's going to be, uh, you, you, you have to tell the truth, even if it, if, if it's not emotionally safe. But when it comes to physical physically safe being safe, I do tell him to make sure that you know what's going on, and I do give him some permission. I hate to say it, just to to make sure that he stays safe and keeps me safe. But um, yeah, but I but I think it's important to to have those conversations with um, your kids. And I had it with my son because I didn't want him to think that safety meant that you you stop doing right just because you're scared. And right, I, or you didn't want
0: to get in trouble.
2: Right. <laughs> That's really, really important. And I think one of the, the most important attributes that I tried to tell my son when he was growing older, the difference between safety and courage. And 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 when does life call you to be courageous that sometimes you can't be safe? And I use examples of uh, Martin Luther King, for example, but also Steve Jobs. When Anytime you go against the, the status quo... I what's convinced, you know, it's not safe. You have to, you're going to open yourself up to ridicule. But I tell him the rewards of doing what you want to do and what you feel is right versus the ridicule, the rewards are always greater. And so, um, so I do tell him about the safety, but I always try to distinguish between physical safety and emotional safety. Because I want my son to know that sometimes he can be safe when you stand on the right side of justice or the right side of people. Well, and
0: I think that's also where I've earned some of my my biggest accounts and my most long enduring clientele. It's because of the truth. And, you know, if I have made mistakes, I have missed deadlines, I have forgotten things, I have I have. Created something that was wrong. I mean, there's just no way you can be in business for 20 plus years and and have a spotless record. I have slept through meetings. I have scheduled for the wrong time. I've showed up in the wrong time zone. I showed up in the wrong city one time.
2: Um, <laughs> I've been there, yes.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm like, I swear, I thought the meeting was in Ventura. No, ma'am, it is in Chicago. And and okay, well, I'm here, and you know, like we can. Patch me in by phone. I get an A for effort, and um, but. Coming clean on those things, like that's one thing that I want to talk about, you know, this segment is when you come clean and you just state it and you own it and you stand up to the fact that you might be fired over this mistake. Um, More often than not, I haven't been when I've owned it. You know, there's only been a couple times that I've been fired over a mistake and then they turned around and hired me back under a different contract um, because they knew somebody had to be the fall guy and i find that when i just tell my clients look you're right this was my mistake like i didn't know this or i didn't see that or i whatever i didn't do i didn't do and if it's my staff that does it i still take it on my shoulders i'm the last line of defense i'm the goalie so if i let the ball go through i let the ball go through and then you just take your lumps and it's so much easier than trying to sneak around the truth and Hello? Bone. And everybody can. Everybody can smell that stink.
2: Oh, gosh. I, I, I think that when I think of some of the coaches in our industry, Sandra, I think something that's really unfortunate is that people are not owning when they're missing something. And I think that's where you gain credibility and trust uh, but I see so many coaches not uh, taking large sums of money from people and not uh, admitting where they are falling short and admitting when they are are have they don't have the skill to deliver what they want to deliver. And it really paints our profession as coaches in a bad light. And I'm with you. I have missed deadlines. I have shown up with the wrong types of clothes when I thought it was. Black tie, and I had on jeans. I mean, just everything. So, um, but like you, just telling the truth. I think people will forgive your humanity, but people will not forgive you if you don't confess. And I think confession is good for the soul, not just for the soul of your, of you personally, but the soul of your business. So I think that's really important. Well, and that's all about.
0: Um, it's all about enjoying your business. Um, knowing, like, like for a while there, Sharon, when I was really young, I had a lot of clients I didn't care for. I didn't <laughs> like them personally. I didn't want them to call me. I wanted the money. I, and I... I did the best I could do, but then I set the intention that was going to be, I really want clients that I love, not like, not enjoy, but love. I want to be able to give them everything I have and have them be able to receive it because that's a big part of coaching, too. It's got to go both ways. and. It took me a couple years to kind of weed out the whiners and the wingers and, and, you know, turn my company into something where I really, really enjoy my clients. And now, you know, 10 years later, I just, I, I love all my clients. I feel like they're family and We have a lot of fun and we're very, very productive. It's like one of those TV shows where all the cast members get along and we agree to take the same salary so we can continue doing what we love. That's a big part of coaching. But in the beginning, you can't, you can't, you can't have that luxury because you're trying to keep your doors open.
2: Yes, I so agree. And I've been there where um, I had people that I probably shouldn't have and I knew in the intake Um, when they're filling out the forms and I'm having our initial discovery session, Sandra, I knew this is not a match. Ooh, I just knew. It's something about them that rubbed me the wrong way or, or something about their style. And I took it, I took them anyway. And that is not a good place to be. And I, I, and I, if I could be a coach's coach, I would coach them not to take that, (laughs) that person because what it does is that negative energy starts to bleed into the customers that you do like. Yes, and you start to underperform and underdeliver, and then long term it hurts your reputation because you can never unring the bell after you developed or delivered a poor product. And uh, but I, but when you're struggling, it's hard to see that. I didn't see that either, honestly, because I needed the money. But I, I started watching and realized I I. I I really declined from a high performer from less than mediocre because I didn't like the people. And what, and what I really know about me, I don't want clients who don't really want to be coached. That doesn't work with me. And I don't want clients that want me to do everything that they don't understand it's a partnership. I don't like that. And I don't enjoy clients that that won't tell the truth. And you can always tell that cause, because in this job, you have kind of like a gift of discernment. And, um, and so I'm really getting really clear as to accepting less money because I don't want to be unhappy. When I was 30 and 40, that's fine, but as 50, um, plus I just don't want to deal with it and I don't do, I don't do my best work and it bleeds. And I'm really have grown to understand that I know not only need to manage my time, but I need to manage my energy. Well, that's a big
0: one. We are not inexhaustible resources, and when a client's a pain in the ass, and you (laughs) you don't want to take their call, you look forward to the week break between them. When you're sitting on the phone with them and you're tense the whole time, like that's a good. Any one of those three is a sign to get out, get out of that relationship. Because the other thing it does, Sharon, is it exhausts you for the rest of your day. I can have one of those pain in the ass clients at 9 o'clock on a Thursday morning and I'm screwed for the rest of the day. Like I might be screwed for Friday, Saturday and Sunday depending on how obnoxious that client was during a session um, and I did. I, I But I think every, every coach has to get beat up at least once in their life by a client because then you truly, truly appreciate and it did cause me to give 150% effort to the clients I loved rather than 149%. Like you give them that extra juice because you love working with them so much.
2: That has been my experience. We have so much in common, Sandra. You know that? We really have so much in common. And that's why I enjoy talking to you so much. Not because it confirms what I say, but it confirms my humanity. So I just, I'm so glad you do this show. I know so many people are are healed and liberated and freed and challenged just because of your perspective. So, yes, thank you for that you're welcome our perspective
0: now when we come back from the break we're going to talk about you know how do we get out of sticky situations in the coaching process i have a couple that uh took me years to extricate because i wasn't good at it sharon and so i want to talk to you about how do you extricate yourself from a coaching situation that's not working for you especially when they love you we'll be back (laughs) after the break (laughs)
3: minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Health Day reported that research suggests that the type of carbohydrates you eat before a workout may influence how much fat you burn during your exercise session. Carbs that cause a sharp blood sugar rise are known as high glycemic index carbs, like white bread and cornflakes, while those that don't are called low glycemic index carbs, like yogurt and skim milk. High glycemic index carbs are known to spur a big spike in blood sugar, and the researchers believe that a meal rich in low glycemic index carbs, which elicit a lower blood sugar response, may boost the body's use of body fat for burning rather than for blood sugar. Those that ate a good breakfast with good carbs burned 50% more fat during a post-breakfast workout. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
2: Hey
0: guys and dolls, this is the Coach the Coaches episode today with Sharon Jameson. And we are talking about how to extricate yourself when the client loves you and you cannot take another minute with this person,
2: <laughs> that has happened to me. Sharon, has it happened to you? Oh, yes. And it is the most frustrating thing. I, I try to, and, and it's always interesting, too. It's always my most fragile clients, too, the ones that irritate the hell out of me because they, <laughs> they, because they don't want to do the work and they never have their assignments. They never do any of the activities or any of the journaling. But they want you to fix everything, and I, I am so anti-codependent, and um, which I hope most coaches are. And so what I try to do, uh, I try to, especially if they're fragile, blame me. I will blame my schedule. I will blame that they're um they have exceeded my skills. They have that I want to give them a, a person who has more expertise in the area that they need. I find a way to get out of it. But not in a way that makes me feel disempowered because I don't want to feel like I'm a wimp. But I find a way to get out of it. And, um, and I have to do it immediately. I used to do, I, at first I used to feel guilty because I'm thinking, oh, these people need me. But I'm thinking they made it in life 40 years in SMS. They'd be okay for four weeks without me. And um, (laughs) I I give them, I give them resources. Um, I give them some books and I will even help guide them because I don't, just don't leave them, especially if they're very fragile. Emotionally, I'm going through a hard time, but I, I have to get out of it because it'll start pulling me down. And then um, I, I want to always make sure that my energy feels good to me. And um, also that I, I don't allow anything that doesn't feel good to persist in my life anymore. Um, I used to do that when I used to feel obligated to people. But I tell myself that I'm only obligated to God and obligated to myself. I'm not obligated to my son now because he's grown. I'm obligated to myself, and, and if I don't keep myself healthy, happy, and whole, um, it's my fault. And so I'm really clear about that. And and but however, I, I always tell them in the discovery session that you know if it ever comes to a time where I feel that um, another person would be more beneficial for them, that we will call it a day with some with you know with notice. So, so I don't just call it one day. as like hey, I'm out. Don't ever come again. But I'll weed them out. Definitely. (laughs) Well, and
0: that's, that's, you know, something that I learned later on in my coaching practice was that I had to lay the ground rules. And whatever ground rules I laid down... People would follow. Like, how crazy is that? Um, And it was so funny to me the first time that I laid down the ground rules, and one of them was getting paid up front. You know, I don't start until, because I do a lot of pre-work, and it's a lot of work for me, and so, and time, and my time is worth money, so, you know, getting paid a month in advance, and it runs from thereafter, and, you know, if you miss a session and you don't cancel within 24 hours, you know, this is the the fee, and, you know, all those were really easy for me to set down, or easy. I should say. But having a clause in there about when when I don't feel that I can help you make a difference anymore, that was a little harder for me to implement. Um, But now, you know, now that I have it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's got to be put down like that's like more important than the money it's like look we can we'll work together as long as it's mutually beneficial but at the point at which i don't feel i can serve you anymore then you know we can cancel
2: oh i i think the out clause is so (laughs) i hate to say it like that but out clause is so important and um and i think that you know we have to always know that we have it not that it's an escape but we have to understand just like they need to to have permission to stop with uh, us and, and no longer hire us, we have to have permission and give ourselves permission for us to have that same decision. And that's why I always tell my clients it's a partnership. And um, I, I just think we do ourselves a disservice. And and also, I'm, I'm learning, too, that if people don't want to do the work, I'd rather them keep their money. I don't want people coming, 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 and they never um, – Do their work. I'm not saying that it's something that happens because we all, you know, life happens. But I'm talking about people who come and we're talking about the same issue and they're crying at the same time for a long time. And I'm not talking about grief. I'm just talking about decisions that they refuse to make. And Are they, like, for example, if you hate your husband and he has had seven affairs, why are you staying, you know, and when, when you are educated, when you do have a, um, a, a job, when you do all this type of stuff, those are kind of harder for me because I see how it's just dismantling their self-esteem, but they won't take a leadership role in their life. I realize those people are not good for me. Well, and, you know,
0: one of the things that I ran into, this was one of my clients that I had a really hard time letting go of, but he couldn't stay off the bottle. Yeah, and the alcohol, and he kept saying, you know, look, I'm making a lot of money. My company, this, my sales are that, la, la 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 la. And I, you know, you can't remember meetings that you went to, and because this guy was attractive and charismatic, and you know, he had a lot of things going for him. It, you know, there were, and he had a great support staff that covered for him, but at great personal cost, and. That was one of the hardest things was to say. Look, you know, you alcohol is gonna is gonna ruin everything. And it's and, and it was one of those things where it's like, here I am, you know, talking to you about your business and how to run your business. But I talk to the support staff, and you come home from back from meetings, and you don't remember what you promised the client, and they have to make the awkward call to to get the terms and conditions. And you know, the long and short of it was. At that point, I cannot coach him anymore. He is no longer coachable because of his choice to
2: self-medicate. Oh, absolutely. And and and, um, and the self-medication, I get it because, you know, I used to do it with food. But I, I think the t- challenge with me in those situations, I agree with you, and that's been my experience, is when people won't participate in their own rescue. That's hard for me. You, you have all the support and you can't go to AA. Okay, well can AA come to you? Or, or, or will you do will you try to do any type of modification to give yourself a jump start? That's hard for me. And um but I but I realize that I have to be careful because I'm judging but I but I but I what I do know is that it does not feel good when a person um Continue to do it, and they lie to me. That's the part that starts getting hard. It feels like I'm complicit, and it makes me feel like I'm part of that codependent system that I don't really – I'm not interested in being a part of it at all. But, however, it takes me a long time to get to that place because I understand – People and I have been that, and I have been that person myself, where I lied and and I tried to manipulate my therapist, and I told her half the problem and gave her half the truth. You know, I've been that person that goes to therapy and only gives half the story. Um, but I, but I, but I knew it was because I was healing. So I'm very, I'm very empathetic to that. But I, but I know that there comes a point. I don't know if I'm being fair with that point is, but I can when their whole life is in shambles and nobody is doing anything that we're we're just we're dancing around the issue to me, I don't want to participate in that dance of deception anymore, you know? No, and that's a hard one because, you know, I could change the girls' hours. I could structure things.
0: I could give them, you know, jobs to, to, to circumvent some of this stuff. But then it's like, okay, so now we're structuring your support staff around your drinking habits. Like, how, how, how is that good?
2: Right, and they're so creative. And, you know, and I almost admire some of their creativity. I'm like, wow, I would have never thought of that. So, um, so in what, but however, the more, the smarter they are and the more creative they are, I know that we're in more trouble because I mean, people are elaborate liars. I mean, I've never seen some, such creativity in my life. I'm thinking you have to write a play or a movie or something. Um, so when it comes to that point where I start, Doubting everything that comes out of their mouth, I'm no longer effective, and I'm no longer serving them, and I'm no longer serving me, no longer saving the universe, serving the universe in any way. And so, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it's right for me, and that's enough. <laughs> well, and that's it. You know, I I started getting into this ethical
0: thing because like it's not really up to me to tell somebody he's an alcoholic, and it's not really up to me to also to structure. Like three other people's lives, the three, you know, the personal assistant, the executive assistant, and the other lady that worked for him, and then even the bookkeeper, like, so we're all going to or you know, I'm going to structure everybody around this this thing, and I still have questions. You know, I still feel like you know, did I do the right thing? I did the right thing that I thought I, I needed to do at the time, and that's what I have to deal with. Like because it is, there's so many gray lines. That's why I brought it up for you on this show because you know we do want to have compassion, we do want to have understanding, we do want to guide people into directions, but then. I'm hired to to do a job, but then am I doing a disservice to these other staff members in the company teaching them to cover?
2: Yes, I agree. What what a great point. I agree and and I think that that's one of the conundrums that all coaches have to to deal with and I think it's great that we're talking about it because these are the conversations that people don't talk about as to how do you get rid of, of clients that are that it's not a good fit and it's okay if it's not a good fit. So I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because I think we just by saying it is going to help other clients, other coaches liberate themselves from this, this false sense of duty or obligation well right and to be able to put it out on the table to talk about it and so that when somebody else
0: listening today comes up across the same situation they'll be better prepared than either you or I would I'm so glad that you were my guest today Sharon Jameson it's spelled S-H-A-R-R-O-N Jameson J-A-M-I-S-O-N dot com she's got a couple books out there Uh, the one that I'm particularly fond of for this show is i have learned a few things by sharon jameson thank you for being my guest
3: today
2: thank you so much for your time i'm so grateful for the opportunity have a great week you too and we'll be back again next week with more from coach talk radio
0: we'll be back again next week thank you for listening on behalf
1: of sandra beck we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort So you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach Talk Radio.